Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your great grace to us. Your grace has been shown to us in so many ways. Lord, you have converted so many of us in this room out of darkness into your kingdom of light. And Lord, you continue to sustain us by your word and by fellowship with other believers and encouragement and teaching from other believers. Lord, we pray that we may be taught from your word this morning. May you, by your Holy Spirit, produce much fruit in our lives as a result of us attending church this morning and singing together, praying together, but particularly hearing your voice as you speak through me and you speak through the pages of your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the subject of suffering and we've been looking at the subject of uh, being blessed in suffering in the midst of suffering. But we've got to understand that blessing is something that we don't give out willy-nilly. What is blessing? Well, I said last week that to be blessed means to have God's favour, to have someone favour you. And it's not necessarily blessing comes from God, but blessing can come from one another. And we see that in our own lives, that we bless certain people and we don't bless other people. And in certain circumstances, we bless people. And in other circumstances, we don't always bless those people. And so this week, I blessed my wife on a particular day of the week because it was the 14th of February, which we often celebrate as Valentine's Day. And so we make a big thing of any reason to eat well and to exchange presents. And Valentine's Day just happens to be one of those excuses for us. So I blessed my wife on Valentine's Day. I gave her presents and uh, we had an evening meal. But I also said, well, why don't we go out for lunch to, to have, um, a, have some sort of snack as well? And so we went down to the bakehouse and had iced chocolates each. And, uh, and I got her a chocolate tart and I got myself a chocolate profiterole. So in all of that, I'm blessing myself as well as blessing her. And, uh, and then I'm sure we'll have a, a, when we officially celebrate Valentine's Day, uh, next week because we'll have a babysitter. We can actually go out. Uh, I will bless her then and I will bless myself at that meal as well. But we bless people under certain circumstances. And that's what I want to look at this morning is when does God show us favour? Under what circumstances does God show us favour? We've seen that God shows us favour when we suffer. We saw that uh, back in verse 14. It says, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. When we suffer, we can be blessed. But is it in all kinds of suffering that we experience the blessing of God? Or is there only certain circumstances that God actually blesses us? Is there a bad kind of suffering and a good kind of suffering? Or does God bless us in all our suffering? No matter what type of suffering you're experiencing, God is blessing you. Well, the first thing that I want to look at this morning then is the type of suffering that comes as a result of sin. We're going to look at two types of suffering. One is for sin and the other is for being a Christian. And firstly, I want to look at the subject of suffering for sin and see whether God blesses us in that. And that comes up in verse 15 of 1 Peter chapter 4. I encourage you to have your Bibles open to 1 Peter chapter 4 as we look at verses 15 and 16 of 1 Peter 4, which is found on page 1203 of the Black Church Bibles. And we see there, firstly, in verse 15, that there's a type of suffering for sin, and certain sins are given out that we suffer for. Verse 15, it says, If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer 
or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. It is possible in this world to suffer for sin and some examples of what types of sin that you can suffer for are given there. For example, murdering someone. If you murder someone, there's a very strong chance in this world that you will suffer for that. If there's no sort of uh, justice system in the country, you can be sure that that person that you murdered has some relatives or some friends and they will make it life particularly painful for you as well. But then in societies where we have some sort of justice system, there is a call for suffering to come upon your head if you murder someone. And it's not just murdering. Verse 15 says, Or as a thief, you can suffer in this world if you steal what does not belong to you. You can expect to suffer. And then he has a sort of a catch-all category. He says, or if any other kind of criminal, if you engage in any kind of criminal activity, any kind of sinful activity, there's a very strong chance that you will suffer as a result. And then he has a final uh, type of sin there, or even as a meddler. Now that may seem a bit odd, meddling there, uh, being categorised in with murdering, stealing and any kind of other kind of criminal. Uh, this is a notoriously difficult word for us to translate. It only occurs once in the New Testament and is very um, difficult to know what is, how to translate that word. Uh, but I would say it, it's got something to do with meddling in other people's affairs but at a fairly high level. And so because it's... It's there with the criminal activity. It's there with murdering. It's there with stealing. So it's got to be uh, something that is notoriously bad in interfering with somebody else's affairs. It's not a case of just going over and not minding your own business when over your next-door neighbour's fence. Uh, It's got something to do with much more than that. And so some people actually suggest translating it as a spy, an informer. So they're people who are interfering in other people's affairs at a very high level or as a revolutionist. Um, That kind of thing, if you spy on people, if you're an informer against your own country, if you're a revolutionist, then you can expect to suffer. And I think we're all quite well aware of that. But the question then is, does God bless you when you suffer for sin? Is this a good kind of suffering? Well, no. Peter says that we should avoid such suffering. He says in verse 15, if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. We should avoid that kind of suffering. If you suffer, it should not be as those those kinds of people. And so if you get yourself into suffering for criminal activity, you only have yourself to blame. And in fact, that is God's system of disciplining you so that you'll turn your life around, that you'll repent of your sins, and then blessing will come as you live righteously under that kind of suffering. But the suffering itself, you can't say that this is somehow God's way of blessing you and that you are blessed in that situation. No, that comes upon you because of your sin, your own responsibility. The only reason you experience that suffering is because you chose to commit criminal activity. And so it is a shameful type of suffering to experience. And there's no reason why you should say, oh, I'm okay in this kind of suffering. No, it is shameful that you've committed criminal activity and so suffer in that way. And so we should avoid it. We should not think that we can bring about the blessing of God by sinning and then suffering for that sin. And this makes sense, even in our own lives, the way that we live and the way that we show blessing to others. 
we're less likely to show blessing and kindness and favour to people if they have brought about their own suffering. We see this even in the life of our little children. If they hurt themselves, there's this call upon everybody in the house to come and kiss whatever part of their body they have hurt better. But if they have hurt themselves because of their own sinfulness, their own stupidity, they did what they weren't supposed to do, then there's little favour that is given, little blessing that is given to them because it's their own silly fault that they are suffering. And particularly if that suffering that they're experiencing is discipline for what they've done. And so we've had our children, when they get smacked on the hand, get asked to kiss it better. And I've even had, I've even had a request to kiss a bottom better as well, which had to be one of the most uh, amusing incidents in my entire life. But no, I do not show favour. I do not kiss those parts of the body better that have been disciplined because it's their own fault that they are suffering in that way. And so we don't show favour. And so then it shouldn't surprise us that God doesn't bless us if we get ourselves into sinful criminal activity and then we suffer for it. It is not as though we can turn around and say, oh, well, this is the way that God has chosen to bless me in this way. No, it's our own silly fault. So then the question remains, what type of uh, suffering does God actually bless? Is there a good kind of suffering that we can experience and know that God blesses us for? What about if you suffer for simply being a Christian? Do you get blessed through that? And that's my second main point this morning. Suffering for being a Christian. Because the Bible says here that when you suffer for being a Christian, you are blessed. But you may say, oh, well, I've been a Christian for a while and I haven't really suffered much. Do you actually suffer for being a Christian? Well, the answer is yes. The Bible tells us quite clearly that you can suffer for being a Christian. Again and again, we're taught in the pages of the New Testament that people actually suffered, historical incidents where people suffered. But even here in this passage here, we, we get told that people will insult us back in verse 14. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. And even back earlier, if we go back to like verse 4, it talks about pagans and they think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation so you don't sin and they heap abuse on you. And then we can actually physically suffer. It's not just people saying nasty things about you when you're a Christian. People can actually hurt you. And some of our brothers and sisters around the world are quite clear on this point. They know what it is to really suffer for being a Christian. They know what it is to have bodily pain inflicted on them and even their possessions taken away, their families removed from them. We know, people around the world definitely know what it is to suffer as a Christian. And even there is a sense where we experience suffering for a Christian, for being a Christian, we experience shame for that. We see that in verse 16 because that is a natural reaction when we are a Christian sometimes. We feel shame for being a Christian. Verse 16 says, However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise, the God, praise God that you bear that name. Why does he need to say do not be ashamed? It's because often we will feel ashamed for being a Christian, for affirming Christianity, for professing Christ for taking the name Christian on us. That's what he's saying here in verse 16. He says, however, if you suffer as a Christian. Now, for us, we think the word Christian is commonplace, uh, but in the Bible, it only occurs a couple of the times, the word Christian. 
And when it occurs, it is usually in reference to a shameful criminal act. The Christians didn't come up with the name Christian. They were called Christians by other people. It comes up in Acts 11.26 where it says the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. It's the first occurrence of the, the name and it was firstly going around at Antioch and it wasn't them saying we are Christians. If anything, they were calling themselves followers of the way. It was other people mocking them, saying they're anointed ones. That's what the word Christ means. They're anointed. Uh, Christ means to be an anointed one. They're saying they're so special, they're anointed ones. They're Christians. And then we see King Agrippa says to Paul, when he's hearing Paul profess uh, Christianity, he says, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? In Acts 26, 28, he says that. He says, do you think you convince me, can convince me to be one of those Christians? And he uses it scornfully there. And then we see with the Roman authorities early on in the early church, when they used the word Christian, it was a label of criminal activity. We have a, a record of a, a governor writing to another Roman authority called, uh, called Trajan. So this guy, Pliny, writes to Trajan. And he says, Meanwhile, in the case of those who had denounced me as Christians, I have observed the following procedure. I interrogated those as to whether they were Christians. Not a good thing. Interrogating people whether you are a Christian. And those who confessed, I interrogated a second and a third time, threatening them with punishment. Those who persisted, I ordered executed. For I have no doubt that whatever the nature of their creed, stubbornness and inflexible obstinacy surely deserve to be punished. There were others that said the same quality, but because they were Roman citizens, I signed an order that they may be transferred to Rome. So you get them in, say, are you a Christian? They say yes. It is in the second and third time. And if they refused to repent, and he threatened them, then he would order them executed. And he hadn't really, he hasn't investigated the claims of Christianity. He just sees them as stubborn, obstinate people, and they deserve to be executed for that reason. And so being a Christian was associated with stubbornness and rebelliousness. And so to be called a Christian was not a pleasant thing in the early church. It was a shameful thing to be called a Christian. It was a criminal label. And so to call yourself a Christian was like saying, I am a murderer. When you, you say, say I'm a Christian, it's like saying I'm a thief. It was not a thing of great beauty and to be glorified about. No, it was a criminal activity. It was a shameful thing. And the same thing may still be the case for you today, where you live. It may be in your neighborhood. Your neighbors just think it is shameful that you're a Christian. They go, Are you a Christian? And it's like they've got inverted commas around the word Christian. In your family, it may be the case. With your friends. They say, are you really a Christian? And it's associated with shame. But is it shameful to be a Christian? Well, Peter says here, no. He says, verse 16, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Do not be ashamed. And realistically, it's not a shameful thing to be a Christian, to be called an anointed one, to be part of Christ's people. Because it means that you're a child of God if you're a Christian. And you are blessed. We've seen that we are blessed. It says that in verse 14. We looked at it uh, last week. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. There's bad kinds of suffering, sinful suffering, where God doesn't bless you. But being a Christian, 
is a good kind of suffering if you experience suffering for being a Christian because God blesses you. And if anybody is ashamed, should be ashamed when a Christian suffers for being a Christian, it's the persecutors. They should be ashamed. This guy, this early Roman authority, should be ashamed of what he was doing. He didn't even investigate what Christians really believed. He just said they were stubborn, obstinate people and I'll put them to death. He should be ashamed of what he was doing. The Christians shouldn't be ashamed. They were standing firm in the face of strict opposition. They were saying, yes, I will continue to be a follower of God even if I'm threatened with death and even if I actually experience that death and go to be executed. I will stand firm. So it's not a shameful thing to be called a Christian and it's interesting that it's not become it's, it's moved from being a shameful thing in the first few centuries to being a badge of honour these days that it is not a shameful thing it may be shameful in certain circumstances in our society but in other areas it's quite a, a, a glorifying thing, a thing to be praised that you are a Christian and we see early church martyrs they were charged with being Christians which was shameful from the Romans point of view or from a Jew's point of view but they were happy to be at the stake getting burned and say I am a Christian they were happy to take that name on because they knew that it wasn't anything to be ashamed of in fact it became a proud badge for them to wear with honour so we've seen that there's bad kind of suffering in which God doesn't bless you but there's also a good kind of suffering where we are blessed for being a Christian so what should we do when we suffer in that way when we suffer for being a Christian well we've already seen one thing that Peter taught us to do back in verse 13 what was that verse 13 says but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ we should rejoice we should be happy that we are included in the suffering that is going on around the world to Christ's church and to Christ himself through the church as well. We should rejoice. But is there anything else Peter tells us to do? Well, verse 16 says, However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. And so my third main point this morning is suffering for the praise of God. Suffering for the praise of God. Because when you suffer for being a Christian, you actually glorify God. The other way to translate this word, it's usually translated this way, is glorify God. But glorify God that you bear that name, that name of Christian. Sometimes we think that God is only glorified when his people prosper. If we had a huge church filled with lots of people praising him, yes, God would be glorified. But that's not the only way that God is glorified. God is glorified every time one of his daughters or one of his sons stands firm when they bear the name Christian. When a small church trembling on the other side of the world in great fear of what might happen to them, but they stand firm bearing the name Christian unashamedly, is God glorified in that? Yes, of course he is. Peter says that. He is glorified and we should glorify him in the midst of that suffering. If you suffer for being a Christian, you should rejoice and glorify God that you bear that name. What can you glorify God about in that? What can you praise him for? 
Well, we've just seen a whole bunch of things from these verses. From verse 12 on, as it's talked about suffering as a Christian, lots of reasons why we can glorify God. We can glorify God that we bear the name, which is what verse 16 says, that we have the name of Christ put upon us is a wonderful thing, that we can be called anointed ones, set apart for God. It's such a privilege to have Christ's name attached to us, that we bear the name Christian. But then he's given us others, like in verse 13, which we've unpacked in previous weeks. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. You can praise God that you actually participate alongside Christ in his suffering. And that then means that you are really a Christian. You praise God that your suffering that you're experiencing authenticates your belief in Jesus Christ, that you really are indeed a Christian. You can praise God that you uh, will be overjoyed one day. That's what it says in verse, uh, 14, uh, verse 13. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. One day you will experience great joy, joy that you cannot experience here on this earth. There are many good things on this earth that you can experience, like going out for Valentine's Day and having a nice chocolate and profiteroles, and that gives me great joy. But it's nothing in comparison to the joy that will be experienced when Jesus returns, and I, I'm with him because I've been someone that has suffered here in this world for him. We can, have, we can praise God about the joy that will come. We can praise God that we will be glorified in verse 13, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. When his glory is revealed and he gets glorified, we get glory on that day as well. When I looked at that passage, I, I spelt that out. And then... We can also praise God that we are blessed. In verse 14, if you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. We can praise God. Thank you for blessing me in the midst of suffering. We can praise God that we are glorified even now. We will get a glory. But what did it say in verse 14? For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. The spirit of glory is upon you. You are glorified. They may not see it, the people that are persecuting you, but you are glorious in God's eyes at least and probably the eyes of any Christians who may know about the suffering that you're experiencing and while you're standing firm in it. You are gloried, even in that. Uh, and the spirit of God rests on you. Not just, it says, the spirit of glory. It describes the spirit as the spirit of God, which is so true. The Holy Spirit lives on you, rests on you. You can praise God about that in the midst of suffering. You can also praise God that in the midst of suffering, you persevere and experience growth. You can often advance so much in your development of a relationship with God when you suffer. Some people will willingly tell you the sweetest times in their lives have not been when things have been going really well for them. The sweetest times in their lives with God have been when they have suffered greatly, and particularly for being a Christian. That has been when they've grown. And so James, in one, uh, James chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. You get perseverance through that testing. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. When you suffer for being a Christian, it matures you so that you don't lack anything. And so that's worthy of praising God. Suffering also encourages other Christians to stand firm with you, which is a great thing that you can praise God about as well. It's interesting if a Christian suffers for standing up for what is right, other Christians will often be emboldened to come alongside that person and stand firm as well. I seriously, 
I've told you before, I think that one day I will be put in prison uh, for making a stand against homosexual marriage. It may not be in the next uh, two decades, but probably in three. Uh, it'll become, they'll become so hostile to any conception that uh, marriage is exclusively between a man and a woman that I'll be in prison for it. But I don't think I'll be the only one in prison. I was joking with a, a, another a pastor about this, and he said, yes, there'll be others there with you, Joel. And he said, we'll have to make sure we can't witness to all the other prisoners. We'll have to make sure that there's one of us in each jail, that we'll all be able to be, we'll have one in Silverwater, one in Long Bay, one in Goulburn. We'll have ministers scattered around. We'll have to make sure that we, we get scattered around so that we have more opportunity to witness while we're in jail. And that's what gives me encouragement to stand firm, is that I know that I won't be the only one. There'll be other men who are willing to stand firm with me. And I'll be able to praise God that I have. If someone sees you witnessing and suffering, they may be encouraged to suffer with you as well. And you can praise God about that. And also, suffering for Christianity often advances the gospel. It's very interesting how non-Christians can be attracted to Christianity because of the way they see Christians suffer for being Christians. Often when we experience that unjust suffering, people's hearts are moved. That happened in the early church when people were being persecuted under the Emperor Nero so viciously, people's hearts were greatly moved. They just couldn't stand to see this emperor just persecuting these people. And the people he was persecuting were some of the most lovely people, gentle, kind, gracious people. And what happened? Many non-Christians became Christians as a result of seeing that persecution, seeing that suffering. And it happens in our own lives. When trouble comes along and we don't turn our back on God, non-Christians notice They say, how can you accept such a painful trial from a God who you think is good and sovereign? And so if you cling to God in that time, it provokes all kinds of questions to them and gives you opportunities to share the gospel that you wouldn't have had otherwise. And some of those opportunities then become times of seed sowing and then conversion. And that is why in the midst of suffering you can do what... Peter says here in verse 16, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. You can praise God that people have actually become Christians as a result of you suffering for being a Christian. And so if you're a non-Christian here this morning, I want to encourage you to look around around you at the lives of Christians and particularly when they suffer and see how they react. You won't see people in the world react the same way, generally speaking. They will persevere, they will cling to God and they have a hope through the midst of great pain and you too can share that hope as well. You can endure any kind of suffering if you become a true Christian. I can promise you, God will keep you to the end and give you joy and peace even in the midst of suffering. If you want that, I encourage you, repent of your sins, believe that Jesus Christ died for you and do it now. And you will have the strength to endure any type of persecution, any type of pain. God will look after you, as he has done to so many Christians through the ages and even is doing today. So if you are a Christian, do you know what it is to praise God in the midst of suffering? Do you avoid suffering for sin? 
knowing that such suffering doesn't equate blessing? Do you know that you are blessed when you suffer for being a Christian? Do you praise God that you suffer for being a Christian? Or is it that nobody actually knows that you're a Christian? I've said that a few times and I want to say it again. Do you not suffer for being a Christian? Why is that? Is it because no one knows you're a Christian? Is it because you don't actually live a holy life? Remember back to when I preached on verse 3. It said in 1 Peter chapter 4, For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living a debauched life, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing and detestable idolatry. And they think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation and they heap abuse on you. Is the reason you don't experience persecution and suffering is because you do engage in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing and detestable idolatry and so no one has any reason to heap abuse on you for abstaining from such things. Do you suffer for righteousness? And when you do, do you know that you are blessed and praise God accordingly? Let us praise him now in prayer and then in song. Heavenly Father, we do indeed praise you. You are indeed a good God. And even in the midst of suffering, we can praise your name. Even in the midst of suffering for being one of your people, we can praise your name because you indeed do bless us. In the midst of suffering, we know that we are one with Christ In the midst of suffering, we know that we will have a great joy one day when Jesus returns and we will be glorified. We know that we even have glory now. In your eyes, we have nothing to be ashamed of. And so we praise you. Lord, we praise you that in the suffering, we often experience great times of growth. And Lord, we praise you that even in the midst of suffering, people can become Christians as they look at us and the way that we live. Lord, we pray that the people of Dremoyne Baptist may be people who are ready to suffer for being Christians and are not ashamed to bear the name of Christ, but know that there is reason even in the midst of suffering to rejoice and to praise you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.